This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Luke Levitz Mabla. And I'm Yannick Maria. And what's our topic for today, Yannick? Bartender. Yes, I think we've teased it a while and we suggested all the time to watch this anime and I think we'll be talking about it. This. I'll, I'll keep it for a show, but spoiler, I think we'll have an interesting discussion about it this week. Hmm. But before we jump into that topic, I have some uh, quick follow-up. So the first one is regarding a major topic in this podcast, which is video games. And after our multiple episodes about the PS4, PSVR, and the Switch, it was interesting because in the last two weeks, um, both Sony and Nintendo were able to release sales number of both units. So at the beginning of the month of December, uh, Sony was able to say that the PS4 has sold 70 million units, while PSVR was able to sold 2 million units itself. And it's quite interesting that the PS4 is already at 70 million units because the PS3 sold just over 80 million units over uh, its product lifecycle. So the, the fact that the, the PS4 has achieved that is will be achieving that earlier than its end of a life cycle is quite interesting to contrast that with the xbox one which we know it's not going so well for microsoft and the only number we have dates from last january i'm sure we repeated it uh, in our episode it's the last number we got last january was 20 million units i'm pretty sure there has been an updated number uh, from e3 actually but i don't have the number handy but I, I recall them bragging about some sales numbers at E3 uh, when they announced the Xbox One X, which is the most powerful console ever made trademark. It was written on everybody's shirt that they gave at E3, which was very strange. Uh, but yeah, I, and also on the uh, on the Xbox One front of things, uh, I should point out the last week PUBG for Xbox One launched. And I don't know if you've seen the animated GIFs that came out of that launch, but it is... Probably the most disappointing Xbox One launch ever because the game runs like absolute dog dog shit. Um, and I mean, it, it runs like dog shit on a PC too, but now it's even funnier because it's doing so on the Xbox One and on the Xbox One X. It's running like 20 frames per second on both. At best. Skews. At best. Yes. From what I've seen. It's, and like sometimes textures don't even load and it's, it, it's absolutely hilarious to watch people play PUBG like this. Because it looks worse than it does on PC, and on PC it looks like a PlayStation 2 game. So <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, but yeah. If we compare that with Nintendo, which is about to close its first uh, year of the Nintendo, of the Nintendo Switch, and Nintendo announced uh, last, yeah, uh, 10 days ago, that uh, it was able to sell 10 million Switch consoles in nine months, which is quite impressive because this would put roughly uh, the number of Switch sold in the first year uh, in the first year as the same number of we first so- sold in the first year. So let's put it this way: it is a good start for the Switch. But like we mentioned in our past follow-up regarding the Switch, we're still waiting for the 2018 lineups of video games. Yeah, and we should point out that the Wii had a fantastic first year, and then it sort of burnt all of its energy up, and there was nothing for the rest of its lifetime, especially for people who consider themselves hardcore gamers. Like, for casual audiences, there were more titles that came out. But for more hardcore gamers, there was basically nothing. So hopefully the Switch delivers on that front. Um, but so far, it's looking a little bit better. 
rate. And that's it for the video games follow-up. The last item on the follow-up list is regarding Face ID. In the last two weeks, um, the, I would say Canada as a whole, but especially the Quebec region, has been it with winter. And winter has started maybe at the beginning of December here. We had the big snowstorm and temperature around 15 to 20, minus 15 and minus 20 degrees Celsius. So we're all wearing our big winter coats and also wearing scarves. And something I've realized quite quickly is if you hide your mouth and your nose b- uh, uh, below your scarf, uh, face ID doesn't work. Face ID doesn't like, doesn't like scarf face. And it was funny because like during those like quick time where I needed to watch the new uh, real-time system, the real-time information for the uh, transit system here in Montreal, you had to pull your face out of the scarf, unlock your phone, and call it a day. So it's quite funny interest. It's quite funny um, change that I need to do for Face ID during the winter period. See, it's funny because you said on like the last episode that before you needed to take off your gloves to use Touch ID, and I said I have never used gloves for the entire run of Touch ID. And now I can also brag that I haven't worn a scarf in like 15 years. So I don't have that problem either. Uh, lucky you. Lucky you. Hopefully at some point, I think, I'm not sure, but if it's too early, but I hopefully at some point, machine learning will, uh, <laughs> learn about it. Hopefully. But Be careful what you learn- wish for. Yes, it might learn the wrong thing. It might learn somebody else's face and think it's mine. Hopefully not. That would be bad. Okay, I think it's time to start with your topic for the night, Nick. Yes, so uh, a little while back, uh, we started asking people to watch Bartender, which is a 2006 anime adaptation of a manga of the same name, which is written by Araki Joe and is illustrated by Kenji Nagatomo. Uh, I always want to say Nagamoto, but that's wrong, Uh, even though it sounds more common. Uh, It's a very compressed adaptation. It's about 46 chapters of the Bartender manga that got squeeze into 11 24 minutes up 24 minute episodes so it's very condensed but i think it's still a very good show um and we're, we're probably going to have a very interesting discussion about like what your expectations were going into this um oh yes oh yes i i should just give a brief synopsis before we get too far into it uh, Agreed. So this show follows the working life of Ryu Sasakura, which is a genius bartender who is very good at cocktails. And he is so good at cocktails, in fact, that he is nicknamed the Glass of the Gods, uh, which is a phrase you hear like a billion times throughout the entire show. And whereas a lot of shows would probably go into the, like, the backstory about how he became a master bartender, uh, this anime doesn't have much of a plot at all. In fact, it just tends to devote each episode to everyday life at the bar, uh, which is called Eden Hall in the anime, uh, where he works in Ginza. And Ginza is a very luxurious neighborhood uh, in Tokyo. I love that place. There's a beautiful Apple store. There is a lot of uh, cosmetics and fashion stuff going on there. And, uh, like, fancy watches are for sale over there. Is it a neighborhood that you visit when you're in Japan? I don't go there very much because I feel underdressed for the area. Um, oh, okay. But it is, I have spent like half a day there, partially because I got lost, partially because it was also raining and there was no way to get to the station without getting completely soaked. 
Um, but this was like in 2012. I have some pretty good pictures of Ginza from 2012. Um, so, so yeah, I, I went there once and, but it was not for nightlife stuff. It was always during the daytime. And I mean, it's a cool place to be, but like I said, like for the nightlife, I probably wouldn't be allowed in most places because I'm not fancy enough to get in. Mm. Okay. Because uh, while I was watching, still no spoiler, I was like, huh, I wonder if Yannick goes there. He goes in this uh, neighborhood. Nope. Maybe, maybe next summer. Uh, we'll see. Um, so one interesting thing about the series is that it features real liquor brands. And this is partially why the series wasn't licensed overseas. It was too much of a nightmare to get clearance from all of the different brands of alcoholic beverages that show up in the show. Whereas negotiating those deals is much easier in Japan because liquor distribution is consolidated into basically two or three companies. So you can just go to those companies and say, hey, we want to put your stuff in an anime. And they just sign the thing at the bottom. And you can put like 90% of the liquor in Japan uh, in there. So it, it it's one of those things that, like, nothing about this show is inherently Japanese. Like, you could have this show pretty much airing anywhere in the, around the world, except the licensing situation is what complicates it greatly. Yeah, that's something that surprised me quite greatly, that they were using real alcohol brands. And the fact, yeah, I was thinking about it here, because all of these brands here are sold kind of independently by their... uh Mother company, so if they if they can do that through a distributor, it is surprising to uh, me. Yeah. Uh, so I know that when I recommended that we should watch another anime together, you were a little bit hesitant because you seem to have this idea in your head that I only watch weird, perverted shit. Whoa, 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 whoa! Uh, okay, I may publicly say that, but that's part of the persona. Come on, it's just to make fun <laughs> of you a little bit. Okay, but. Okay, so when you said that and you explained me what it was about, I was quite unsure about it just because it was like I wouldn't see the point. I, I didn't actually ever describe the show to you. Oh, then maybe they just research a bit about it. I thought I thought we discussed it a bit. I do not have a memory of that, but I'm hmm. pretty sure I wanted you to go in completely blind and make your own opinion. So that's why I didn't explicitly talk about it. Okay, then uh, then it does mean that the synopsis you just read, I also read it elsewhere to kind of give me an idea before I start watching it. So I didn't read any reviews about it. I just read what is the synopsis, and I think on the pl- oh yes, I think it's a I'm mixing up with the playlist. The playlist description you on the YouTube playlist you're uh, linking to it. There's a huge description which is more or less what you said, a synopsis of Bartender, and I was like, okay, sure, I'm not sure where they're going with this. Because I'm not sure how you can make 12 episodes, 11 episodes about somebody bartending. So that I was kind of more on the, I'm not sure where this anime is going side. Less on the, what the fuck is that strange thing? Because it's not that strange of an anime, to be honest. Yeah, it's really not. Um, we will have a spoiler slide a little bit later where we will talk about individual episodes more in detail. Although... As I will explain in a little bit, like, there isn't much to spoil. Um, but maybe up front, you could say if you liked it or not. <laughs> uh, I did not, sadly. Oh. I, I, I knew you would be sad, but I watched it. There was a couple of good moments in the whole, uh, series. But as all, well, I was like, kind of meh. Like really, 
not disappointed, but not really interested into it. I was never like into it too much. I think the only thing I really love and enjoy is at the end of each episode, which is no spoiler, but still, at the end of each episode, they would give you the recipe of one of the main drinks of this episode. And they would give you like with the real brand names again and the real military milliliter quantity of each and the portion and also that was quite nice and in all of the typical exaggeration that we can see in animes it will all they were mostly all related to the cocktail making and the drinks making so that was quite funny and it kind of made me want to drink a little bit too much for this week. I know, I know. That That's part of the interesting things about this show, is it really makes you want to drink all different kinds of alcohol. Um, yeah, and w- one thing to note is that the end credits to the show are basically a live-action scene of an actual bartender, like, washing his uh, glasses and preparing a drink and each drink is different at the end of each episode uh, which you might not notice if you just skip through it um, but yeah so that's a really nice touch so I want to talk a little bit about the format slash genre of this anime before we get into the spoilers um, so bartender falls into a genre of anime which is called yashike or healing type anime um, And generally, these kinds of shows put you in a world with little to no conflict and is much more about putting you in a specific atmosphere and relaxing. And this show is really good for people who just want to come home from work, chill out, and not watch anything stressful. Although there is a little bit of confrontation every once in a while because, of course, the show takes place in a bar. Um, So, of course, from time to time, that's going to happen. Uh, But for the most part, it's not really confrontational at all. And... That description is pretty much what this entire show is. It's people taking time off from their work to have a cocktail and to do a little bit of navel-gazing. And that's why there aren't really traditional spoilers for the show. Each episode is a self-contained story. And the finale does try to tie together very loosely all of these stories into some kind of cohesive cohesive narrative. Although I will explain later that I think it's kind of a weak ending. Uh, that might as well not be there, to be honest. Uh, but mm. knowing any, uh, yeah, I would say I would agree with that. I think uh, we'll come back in the, into the spoiler section. But I think we could have re- they could have removed the last episode and end on the last episode is the worst episode, like objectively the worst. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, let's we'll leave it, leave it there for now. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, we need to come back about that. But yeah, so even so, if you're listening to this and you have no intention of of watching Bartender, then you're not probably going to feel like you got spoiled on anything if you keep listening. If you haven't seen Bartender and you are curious about it, you can listen to us talk about the rest of Bartender. And so much about watching this show is about enjoying the atmosphere that we are not going to convey this atmosphere in our words. So you're still going to be missing out on that, but the actual story is kind of secondary to the atmosphere in this kind of show, which is kind of strange. Um, but that is normal for this genre. And I, and I think, I think this is where it lost me, to be honest. <laughs> because there's no point to the show. <laughs> the, the kind of the lack of story there is, is yes, there's the guy, yes, there's kind of people and he can read through their soul and give them the right drink for them to relax or the right drink for the situation by the way if that person exists i would like to go to their bar for sure to just like i don't tell i don't tell them what i want they just 
give me what I need. The main character is apparently based on a real Ginza bartender, by the way. So huh. come to Ginza next summer. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But one of my questions about the episode itself is I'm guessing that they're describing what is a typical Japanese bar. Or is that more Ginza specific? I think, hmm, it's hard to say because, like, of course, there are, like, bars of different types, right? Um, but I think, like, this is very typical of the kind of bar you'd see in Ginza. I haven't been to enough bars across Japan to actually know if it's typical of Japan in general. Um, but it seems about right. Uh, like, especially for big urban areas, like, it seems about right. There, there's like a subcategory of these places called snacks in Japan, which are half bars, half, hmm. I guess it's closer to what we would expect the average bar to be in, like, Quebec or whatever, except it has a much heftier cover charge because you have to pay, like, 2,000 yen just to, or like 20 bucks just to get in, basically, but you, you're paying to, just talk to someone it's weird it it's hard to explain exactly what the dynamic is and it's also because i haven't really been to one i am a, i usually stay in a neighborhood that is packed full of snacks but i never go to them because it doesn't sound like my kind of thing okay no that's that's fair that's fair because to me it was really clashing like the, the type of part they're describing is i think it implied that the bartender is also the owner of the bar yes. so that's kind of the persona of the bar which i think those types of bar here are really reserved for high class bars which i've never been to personally right well this would be one of those high class bars right like ginza mm. is a very it's a very rich part of town like like i said it's very like luxury watches fashion district so it's going to be a lot of rich and powerful people who are going to be there and people who are well dressed enough to actually get in, and so it to- it totally makes sense that it would be that kind of high class bar. Okay, I think it better position it in my end now after watching the eleven episodes. And oh, it, well. it, if you actually think of the guests that actually go to the bar throughout the, those episodes, they are generally people you would consider as high class, except for like one notable exception. Right now that I think about it, you. Are right. There were like one specific exception, but the others there was in the all of the others. I think there were also one other exception, which was I think a prime minister or something. Yeah. Well, it's never made clear exactly what his role as a, a politician po- yeah, it, is, but yeah, he was a politician. And to me, the rest of the people were just like normal people. But now, if you think about if you think about it, it might just be high class people, not working class people. Cool. Uh, one thing that I think we should praise before we get into the spoiler slot is the soundtrack to the show. It is fantastic. It is really good piano jazzy stuff. And a lot of people like don't really like this show, but they like the soundtrack a lot, uh, which is something I can totally get behind. And by the way, I should actually state my actual opinion on the show. I made you watch this, but I am not a gigantic fan of the show. I think it's about, I think, Objectively, it's about like a 7.58-ish show for me, Um, which I mean, it's a decent score, but for some reason, I find myself drawn to this show and watch it over and over again. I've watched this show maybe like 10 or 11 times in its whole run uh, since 2010 when I first watched it, uh, which Mm. is quite a lot. And like, I know the show isn't like that great, but... 
I can't stop watching it for some reason. And another thing I should point out is there is a live action version of this show. Uh, it ran, hmm. I think on TBS. Uh, I watched the entire live action thing and that has much more of an, of an actual story arc, uh, because of course it's for television. So it, it might be more interesting to people who do not like this loose attempt at a story, uh, that this one has. And the live action is based, apparently based much more heavily on the manga, which has also more story arcs. Like in this, in this anime, it really seems like they took three story arcs from the manga and tried to jam it into 11 episodes. And then they were like, we are going so fast through these things that there's basically no arc here. So we need to tie things up loosely. And then they made that last episode, which is kind of terrible. Um, but yeah, so I think it's an interesting show. I don't necessarily think it is a great show for everyone, but it is a show that fascinates me for some reason. And we will get into some of those reasons after the spoiler slot. Do you have anything else to add before we get into the spoiler slot? I just wanted to add one small uh, comment about the uh, drawing quality of it. Mm. Uh, I just uh, Google quickly because I was forgetting when it was originally aired. Two thousand six. Yeah, fall two thousand six. And if you watch it right now, it shows. And maybe it was because of the the YouTube uh, the YouTube stream that was uploaded to it and stuff like that. But I think the way the anime was drawn uh, made dates it quite evilly. Uh, in 2017. And it's not, uh, it's not a plus or a minus. It's not a, a downside to it. It's just that it was the style at the time. And now if you watch it, you're like, yeah, it, you see, you, you, you feel that it's an old anime. And that's just it. I think I actually disagree with you a little bit. I think that this show is just not drawn that well in general, but oh. it's not, a sti- it's not a stylistic thing or, uh, a historical thing. Like, there was great anime in 2006 that looked better than this. And, like, on average, I would not say that this show is, like, average anime quality for the, that time. I think it's below average. And I think that perhaps this is just my speculation, but some of the animation budget went into weird 3D shit that they, they do throughout these episodes instead of going into actual drawing. And but but I that's think kind the, of my point too. Those three D animation you're mentioning, like since they spent so much money, was maybe nice shit in 2006. But now you look at them and they just like feel like it looks old, really aged. Weird. Yeah, yeah, it's very weird. I was about, no. It, my point was while googling, I was on my anime list, and the score of bartender on my anime list is seven point forty seven. Wow. Which is really close to your 7.5. Yeah, that so sounds about too. right. Uh, it's a very hit or miss show, and I think a lot of people really like the chill atmosphere, so they overrate it a little bit. And I think, like, there are things to enjoy in this show, but for the most part, like, if, if you look at it purely objectively, it's kind of around that point. All right, are we ready to go into spoilers? I think we are. We're going to be entering spoilers now. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, uh, how do you want to do this? I have basically a list of episodes here with a few notes just so I can remember which episode is which. And we could talk about the episodes that mean the most to us or whatever, or we can just go through each one one by one. I would vote to, that we go through each one one by one because I felt while watching it that one episode were okay and the next one, we're like, I didn't like it. So it was yeah, really yeah. it no, on each episode. 
And I think if we do it this way, and it felt to me it wasn't really on the rhythm. It's like one was okay, one was bad. <laughs> Personally, one was okay, one was bad. And maybe, maybe we could start with the inverse. We could start about what we tease in the no spoiler zone about the ending. Or do you want to keep the ending for the end? I, I want to keep the ending for the end. So okay, so I, let's start with episode one. I want to give us some basic setup for episode one. So episode one is called Bartender. It is the basic premise of the show explained in as simple a way as you can so you see yusa sakura is introduced um it establishes one of the main characters of the series which is miwa kurushima uh, who runs the well who is involved in running the kurushima hoteling business which is a recurring business throughout the show um and you see her uh paying attention to a bar remodeling where a man is in charge of the Kurishima Hotel bar remodeling, but he ends up disparaging all of the bartenders as he tries to hire them, and none of them appear to be satisfactory, uh, which is bad because he needs to find a bartender pretty quick. And it is revealed throughout the episode that he's had a bad experience when going to a bar for the first time that basically cemented his disdain for bartenders from that point on. Um, one of the things he does is he uses the expression barten, which is a dismissive way to call uh, bartenders in Japanese. It's sort of like an, it's diminutive, really. Um, and what it basically took for him to change his mind was he basically said, like, make me your best cocktail to Yusa Sakura. And basically what he came up with is a glass of water mix. Now, water mix, or mizugari as it's called in Japanese, is... Uh, combination of whiskey and water that like that's literally the recipe um, but he made it in such a way that it was so specifically tailored to this guy's situation that it basically like blew his mind and that's basically what happens throughout all of the other episodes oh yeah it's, it's that the... format Really? Right, right. you go with a sad face in the bar the guy makes you a drink and you're like oh my god I see my life in front of my eyes it's a revelation <laughs> and i think that was a bit over like overdone to me yeah like, they, after after the first time i was like okay sure maybe whatever the first one is about the bartender like a a designer that aids bartender and then the bartender gives him a better opinion of bartender that made sense with the drink sure that that does make sense but the other one sometimes i'm like Okay, you're straining it shit a bit too far. So, yeah, sometimes it's way too much of a stretch, and sometimes you're like not even sure what the connection is, which is really weird. Uh, we'll get to those a little bit later. There is something that I noticed uh, a few rewatches ago, like I think three times ago that I've watched the show. Three times uh, ago. Yeah, I watched the show way too much. Uh, there's something about the lighting in the show, which seems very intentional. And the way I interpret it is... A lot of this seems like it could almost be theater, and the lighting is lighting that you'd see in theater. Like, hmm, sometimes spotlights are used, and they make no sense for the actual situation that they're in, but the lighting is just, like, theater lighting for emphasis, and I thought that was really interesting, and there's a lot of narration and monologues in the show. Um, and oh, yeah. whenever there are monologues, like more often they're not like you hear the spotlight come on and there's this big like clock and then the spotlight is on them and they start talking to the camera and you're like, am I watching theater or anime? And oh, they're breaking the fourth part so much in this anime. I'm like, who the fuck are you? Seriously? There's like, I think four narrators. 
by the end of the season or the series? Uh, well, there's a main one, and then the others are actual characters, except they're not explained at all, or basically not explained in the entire show. You I have know, to know the, the manga way... to actually know who they are. Right, but the way they are introduced in the anime is more like narrators than characters. Yeah, yeah. No, they they come in like way too often to either like give context to some historical meaning of a certain spirit or something. It's kind of weird. But again, like these are all bartenders that have their own stories that are explained in the bartender manga, and those are great. The only one that is sort of I'm not sure about is the main narrator, the guy with the really weird voice that you hear at the very beginning of each episode. Mm-hmm. Like that guy, he eventually does become a character in the show because he's in the final episode. But I have no idea who the fuck he is. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that that's really strange. I think from the live action TV show, I think like he's supposed to represent the creator of the manga, which makes sense to what? some extent. Like it's a self insert character or something like that. Spoilers, yeah, yeah. but but. I mean, it kind of makes sense, but he's sort of like this nebulous narrator guy with a very weird voice. But yeah, it, seriously, to me, the, I understand all of what you said, but to me, it feels that like there's too much narration in this uh, in this show. It's, like, it's nice they're bringing back some, like, I guess historical context about like, drinks. You learn sometimes. so much shit about alcohol on this show; it's unbelievable. Right. Sometimes I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure if it's really true. Or they just like bring some kind of semi-historical story just because it makes sense for the anime. No, it all, it all checks out. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. So educational anime, everyone. Uh, although it was not aired on uh, NHKE, which is the educational TV that sometimes plays anime that is not educational at all. Um, <laughs> so are we ready to move on to episode two, which is one of my favorites? Yes. Okay, so episode two is Menu of the Heart. Uh, once again, lots of theater lighting in this episode. Like, episode one and episode two maybe make the most use of the theater lighting uh, in this whole thing. And the basic premise around this episode is there is this conflict between Miwa's father and Miwa's grandfather surrounding the direction of their hoteling business 20 years before this episode takes place. And the grandfather thinks traditional Japanese inns are the way to go, whereas the father thinks that more Western hotel chains are the way of the future. And there's this disagreement that led to a rift between them. And eventually Miwa's father tried to reconcile by bringing a bottle of alcohol with a very specific meaning because his grandfather is very particular about the meaning of spirits. Um, The only problem with that idea is that Miwa tripped while she was holding the bottle. She was like five years old or something when she was there and she broke the bottle. And I guess they never took the bottle out of the bag or whatever, and the situation never got resolved. <laughs> that is maybe the big plot hole in this entire thing, is if they had actually taken the bottle out of the bag and showed what it was, like, this entire situation could have been resolved. But they never did. <laughs> Come on. And the way it, the way it is shown, like, the way they position the fake camera... It's, it's so like, dramatized. They dramatized it. It's like, come on. The bag is there with all of the fragment, uh, glass fragments. You can just remove them Take a look at the sticker and say, oh, that's what you wanted, you wanted me to try. <laughs> but no, they had to wait 20 years. They need to go to a fancy bar in Ginza where the guys call of the gods of the spirits. Oh, I forgot its name again. Oh, my goodness. The episode was emotive. I do agree with you on that. It, it was a real sad story. and But they tried to make a sad story out of thin air, to be honest. I'm like... Kind of, but oh. like this is the kind of situation that would legitimately actually happen in Japan, except maybe they would take the bottle out of the bag. Like, 
this is the kind of thing that would absolutely happen in real life. Um, I don't know. The, 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 the feud between the son and the father makes sense, but the not removing the bottle of the bag is kind of a bit overdramatic. Yeah. So uh, to explain more of the story, uh, her parents died in car crash shortly after this incident. So she kind of blames herself for the fact that her dad and her grandpa never actually reconciled. And she would like to try to find that bottle that she broke for her grandfather on the 20th anniversary of her father's death. Um, so then they sort of play like this weird game of charades where she tells uh, you how it felt to hold the bottle when she was five years old. And I'm like, how oh do you goodness. remember this? <laughs> and, it, 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 and this Cersei could have gone so much more wrong, but at least it did not. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, so ultimately, the thing that led him to find the correct answer was just reading into the meaning of the thing because like her explanation of like what the bottle felt like didn't actually <laughs> well it could have eventually led to the right thing but not really okay and... l- let me just create an improv about the demonstration uh, the description of the bottle um um it, it was a bottle <laughs> in a paper bag i, I it was bottle shaped it was um, bumpy uh... and it was shining like crystal Right. That's mostly it. it. Like, it describes every fucking spirits bottle. Come on! True, but having seen a bottle of Kaku whiskey, in fact, I have had way fucking too much Kaku whiskey. Uh, oh. I should point this out. Uh, there have been some crazy incidents, but we're not gonna oh, get into I, that. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, sometimes I wish if I could, I wish I could come with you, mm, because maybe. I would like to witness those incidents. Mm, not gonna happen. Ooh. Uh, oh, I know. But yeah, so Suntory Kaku Whiskey, like, one of the things about the bottle is that it sort of feels like a turtle shell. Uh, and this is meant to symbolize good, good luck, uh, to the Japanese people. And in fact, like, the entire story around Suntory Kaku, ah, Suntory Kaku Whiskey is that, uh, originally they were trying to make whiskey, uh, at Suntory and it was too authentic to real scotch and Japanese people just don't like scotch. So it didn't really sell. And what they said is, okay, we're going to try to make whiskey that's more tailored to the Japanese palate. And so they did that. They got the bottle designed by, like, some really popular glass-blowing person in Japan who came up with the turtle shell design. And um, the entire meaning of this is, even though it's based on a Western idea, there can be products by Japanese people for Japanese people without losing their Japanese values. And sort of, if you translate that into the situation with Miwa's uh, parents and grandparents, even if the hoteling industry becomes more modern and Western-like, it's still possible to preserve Japanese hospitality in the process. That's more or less the framework for what was going on in that episode. And I really like this episode mostly because I love Kaku Whiskey. Um <laughs> But also because, like, it's a sad episode, and if you ignore the glaring plot holes, it's kind of good. No, I understand. Like, the, the story behind it, like, if you ignore the plot holes, it it is to make a sad episode, and sadly, I think it's one of the episodes with the most meat in it, to put it this way, with the most consistency of a story in it. And that's mostly it. It's just like... There are a few episodes where there are like two stories or even three stories sort of jammed together into one episode. And this is like, okay, you made one episode with one coherent story. Congratulations. There is not a lot of this in this show. But 
it sort of does it well if you ignore the plot holes, which, by the way, it's super easy to ignore the plot holes, like, the first two times you watch it, but then you're like, wait a second, she could have just taken the bottle out of the bag. <laughs> True. Yeah. Uh, episode three is Glass of Regret. It, uh, like, I, I started getting a little bit lazy in my notes. I just have two words written down. I have Margarita and Ibsen, uh, which is kind of not really useful as notes. Oh, is that the, I, I seriously don't have notes. It's the guy notes. who. Is the salesperson or? It, the advertising guy who was dating a w- woman who became a famous stage actress and, he is retiring from his, his advertising job and finds out basically on the same night that his ex-girlfriend is dead and he was going to go to a performance of Ibsen's A oh, Doll's yeah, yeah. Dream, I think it's called, which was the play that they both uh, performed. Well, they both saw together and made them both want to get into acting, but for various circumstances, uh, this guy was not a very good actor, so he <laughs> gave up on his dream and she basically didn't like that answer and they broke up and he felt that he spent the entire rest of his life regretting his decision to some extent. Right. Does that sound no, right? I, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, now I remember this, this one. I, it reminds me, and it, well, this will be a Quebec reference, but uh, Starmania is kind of like that? Yeah. The, uh, the play? It's like, oh, it's a business time, but I want to be a, I wanted to be an actor and blah, blah, blah. So, it's kind of it, too. Yep, and the... The alcohol story about this one is basically Margarita. Margarita was named after a an ex-girlfriend of the person who made the um the cocktail at a cocktail competition and this advertising guy has become so cynical. He says like this can't possibly be a real story. It surely was made up to try and boost the sales of this cocktail and the big punchline at the end of the episode is he basically like reads a cocktail history book in the back of a cab, which everyone does after they're out drinking, of course. Of course, they have that too in the back of a cab in Yes, Japan. and it, and it just happens to be the case that it opens right at the page for Margarita, and he reads that basically they didn't actually reveal why the Margarita was named the Margarita until twenty years later when the cocktail was actually already a success. So his cynicism was incorrect. It was actually a honest story. Um, and like there, there's a lot of stuff about regretting not capitalizing on opportunities in your life, mostly relationship related, very relatable content. Um, I don't have much to say about this one other than it's good, but it feels super awkward. Um, namely because the main guy in this episode keeps quoting lines from this play out of nowhere. And you're not sure if he's actually just crazy or if he's trying to make a point, or if he's just reading quotes. Come on, there's the Hemingway episode too, where it's just like Hemingway quotes everywhere. Okay, the the Hemingway one I hate, but we will get to that. <laughs> yeah, do you have anything else on episode three? I, I realize that these are basically like little summaries here and there, but like... No, it's good. It reminds me what I didn't like about them, so that's good. Yeah, uh, there's this weird place where like he talks about how he basically... As an advertiser, he made basically ads for, like, we told people cigarettes were good even though they were bad. We did blah, blah, blah. And there's also... Yeah, this guy has a lot of remorse through his advertising career, I guess. Yeah, basically, like, he is very aware through his cynicism of all of the stupid shit he's done throughout his career. And he's like, I have basically nothing to be proud of at the end of my 
thing. Like, yeah, I'm successful, but what is the point of success? And that's sort of the punchline of the play that he keeps quoting too, is like, at the end, the guy is left, he's super successful, but his life is in ruins. And that's more or less like what he feels at the end of this episode. Well, not after he drinks the cocktail. After that, he's like, I have seen clearly my life. Humans are made up of all their regrets, and therefore I am a better human because I have gone through all these regrets and some shit like that. And I'm like, okay, sure. You're still going to regret these things in like 24 hours, dude. Yeah, yeah. And it's also like, it was nearly on the on the edge of saying like, oh, it's okay now, I'm fully pumped up. Let's go make uh, tobacco ads again. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm good in advertising. It's like, no, crap. Okay, let's move to episode four. Yes, Amber Dream. So this is an episode with two different um, stories going on in it. So there is one of a couple that, it, well, not a couple, but a first date uh, between mm. a clumsy girl and uh, I'm going to say an average guy. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And then there's this other couple, which is in the bar. Well, one one of the, the women in the couple uh is there for the entire duration of the first date that happens. And then her husband joins later on and stuff happens. Um, so I guess we should sort of go in, in order. Uh, the couple basically are very awkward as you do in first date, I suppose. And they sort of have no idea what to say to each other. And so the bartender acts as a sort of social lubricant to sort of tie things that they are talking about or their interests into a narrative that is told through alcohol. Does that sound right to you? It does, but it was so weird. Like, the bartender felt so empowered and so important there, where I was like, okay, sure, you just want them to drink. Come on, calm down. And you know, yes, if they drink, they'll talk. You're so blah, cynical. Blah, blah. And that's cynical. I was watching them. I was like, what the fuck, man? I think I really like the angle in the show of when there's silence or when you're not sure what to do. Like, it, it's not the bartender's job to get involved in people's conversations. It's the bartender's job to sort of sell drinks. I mean, that's, yes. that is primarily their job. But if you can get the conversation going around anecdotes about alcohol, then you're sort of doing them a favor because you're at least giving them something to talk about. Or a starting point for their conversation, a sort of icebreaker, if you will. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah. I think this is where the bartender uses an a, like an uh, historical anecdote about alcohol, something like that. Yeah, he starts with apple cider. Um, yeah, and then they drink it, and they have like this cute thing where they are wearing weird like apple orchard outfits, and it's very strange. And then he sort of evolves that into a brandy. Uh, so the the average guy uh, in this. Uh, maybe couple is a big fan of Ingrid Bergman um, movies. And so she drank like some apple brandy in some movie. And of course he knows this because he is a big fan and they basically drink that. And then they made something else out of that. I think another cocktail or something out of the brandy. Yeah. Is it, isn't it with champagne or something? Hmm. Maybe uh, I think it might be a Jack Rose that, might be the oh, case. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like apple brandy and a bunch of fruit juices mixed together. And they drink that, and then there's some more awkward stuff that happens, and then he puts, like, the apple brandy straight into a cup and puts it on 
like lights it with fire and then they just smell the aroma of the brandy and it's like this warm moment where everyone is happy because like this couple got to know each other via this weird narrative told in apple spirits <laughs> true yep and then they basically leave and the story turns to this other woman in the bar who was there and at first she helps the bartender to uh make the this uh maybe newly created couple like start to talk to each other yeah because that's how she met her husband in well earlier um it's not shown in the show but it's they they mention it right that when 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 we move to the, with to our story that's what we learn is she's waiting for her husband which they met in that bar they met in a bar if i recall correctly it's a, yeah it's in a bar and they want to they, it's their wedding anniversary now and it's the typical like not typical but their story is more a romeo and juliet story like both family didn't want them to be together and now they are together and then the husband is working so hard that the wife wants to divorce and blah 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 yeah so th the thing is basically like Salaryman life is hard in Japan, but like this guy is ultra salaryman and he is working basically all of his hours at the company. And it's revealed that the parents basically were little shits and told him like, Agreed. our daughter deserves way better than you. You don't deserve to be with her. And he feels like he has to prove to her parents that they are suitable to be together by overworking himself to death and never seeing his wife, which leads his wife to basically not wear her wedding ring for six months and he doesn't even notice, but the bartender notices and he makes this uh this cocktail called the Bijou, which is layered um multiple layered um spirits. I don't remember the exact details. Right, yeah, it's three three layers of spirits because it, if I recall correctly, it's something like red, white then green. It looks like the Lifesavers um, popsicles that you can buy during yes. the summer. Yeah, it's yeah, really yeah, funny. Yeah. That's what I kept thinking of. And, uh, yeah, so eventually, like, the the husband, like, well, first of all, he notices the divorce application in his hands. Then he, he sort of figures out what the cocktail means. And then he sort of explains the situation that's going on. Like, I feel pressured into working my life to death uh, trying to prove to your parents that we could be together and whatever. And like, let's be honest, probably no amount of work is actually going to change the opinion of the parents because they're little shits. Um, yes. So yeah, there's that. And then they sort of have like this great moment where like she realizes like he was basically overworking himself for her sake and not necessarily because he didn't want to be with her or anything like that. And so, of course, the bartender picks up on this and decides to turn the bijou into Amber Dream, uh, which is basically what happens when you take the bijou and you stir it with ice. And it's supposed to represent the aging of the bijou over time, where it becomes more beautiful, much like Amber, and has more of a shimmer uh, that becomes more beautiful after time. Uh, which is sort of supposed to represent the strength of their relationship or something like that, which is sort of a gigantic U-turn from having a divorce application in your hands like five minutes earlier. But okay, I I'm willing right. to accept it. It, it. it went in seriously two minutes from divorce case to we're the best, happiest married couple on earth. Was was like, okay, sure. If you drink an ember drink, go. Cool. That's okay. Yep. And 
I said maybe they should just uh, make those people that want to divorce bring those at the uh, divorce uh, like the like the mayor's office. Oh, I don't know where you go to divorce, but at the law's <laughs> office. Whatever. Wow. Just like, here's your drink. <laughs> drink. Is it? Do you still want to divorce? Yes. Okay. Fine. Come. <laughs> yeah. It's not like that. And then uh, the husband gets a call on his cell phone from work, which is asking him to come in again. And he's like, "Can't I just have the, uh, some time to enjoy a cocktail with my wife? This moment is more precious than the entire rest of my life." And that is how he tells them to shut the fuck up. And I'm going to take some time off of work because I have other things to do than to die from 140 hours of overtime in a month. Episode five. Episode five. Oh no. It's the Hemingway episode. Yes, it is the, oh. episode five. Things forgotten in a bar. This is maybe with uh, the final episode, one of my least favorite episodes. Oh, the final episode is really, really. Really bad. The final episode has bad. no story whatsoever. This episode has a story. It's just not interesting. And oh, not no. coherent, really. No, the guy just dropped Hemingway quotes all the time. <laughs> and it's like, why? I know you love Hemingway, and that's fine. I think it's a story about drinks and Hemingway and blah, blah, blah. I think there's like... So the basic premise is like this guy basically sucks at his job. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. that's the, the the salesman. <laughs> yeah, he's a salesman and he sucks at selling things. And his boss is a jerk, and he's like, "You suck at your job, lol." We're going to transfer you to a remote branch that you are going to start, and you are going to be by yourself. And because losers are by themselves, something like yeah, that. Yeah, losers are by themselves, and you're not going to have to compete with anyone else because you're going to be by yourself. So you're not going to have to feel like a loser all the time or whatever. And I'm like. Okay, first of all, this boss sucks. Second of all, this guy sort of sucks. <laughs> but, like, it's also sort of, I think it's semi-implicit in the choice. So the the, the feature drink in this episode is the Hemingway Daikiri, which is a frozen cocktail. And, like, there is this sort of, I don't want to say superstition, I can't find the word, but there's sort of like this stereotype that, frozen cocktails are for women and that they're not manly and whatever and i sort of feel like right, that no no it's it, it is really it it starts the episode like oh men don't drink this blah 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 and makes the 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 salesman feel like shit because he wanted a frozen drink but i think like that's the theme of this entire episode it's sort of emasculation to a certain degree whether it's through your sales record or through the drinks that you choose like he just feels humiliated in public all the time and True. it's about taking back control of your life to a certain extent, except the way through which he does it, like, I, I don't even get it. Like, I don't even get how he gets to the end of this episode. Like, basically, the only turning point in this episode is Ningen wa makimasen, which is uh, humans n are not made to lose, basically, which is like a Hemingway quote. And, like, he finds that super inspiring, and he's like, oh, yeah, fuck you, boss. Humans aren't made to lose. I'm going to kick some ass at this branch because I have this regained confidence that I never had before because I drank a Hemingway Daiquiri with a bartender and ratted right, out a bunch the, of Hemingway quotes. don't forget that there's the historical, historical like, aspect of why is it called a Hemingway Daiquiri and all of it. And then and it's all about, like, yes, if you like that, Hemingway always drank. Well, yeah, but that's it's, why we name it this way and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, creative people drink a lot and that's why they're creative. Like, that's sort of <laughs> what the lesson of this episode is. It's like, either they are abusive to their children or they drink stuff or whatever. But basically, like, everyone that is considered a genius has wow. some glaring 
personality flaw. Just look at Kanye oh, West. Oh man, oh, friend of the show oh. Kanye West, who is also a genius. Yeah. He also has glaring oh. personality flaws. Would you agree? Oh, my. Uh, oh, I seriously don't want to associate <laughs> any of those statements. But so what I was trying to say is, I think that moral, the moral, the the character what needed what the character needed to understand was you can be different, and if you own it, that's fine, and that is a good morale of the episodes like you know what if you're everybody's different you just need to own it and then if you own it people can't make fun of you and then they'll just like you can put them back to their places that's what he end up doing yep that's more or less the entire story of me at school but <laughs> we're not gonna go through that oh yeah 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 okay episode six halfway there yeah the story inside the glass so this is an episode about Kasahara and Mineyama, which are scriptwriters and directors who make, well, who used to make revolutionary movies or who wanted to make revolutionary movies in South America when they were younger. And Kasahara is having a writing slump and he came up with this crazy whiskey riddle that he has been asking to all of the bartenders in Ginza and of course only Sasakura can actually answer this riddle because he's a genius and everyone else is shit. <laughs> um, and this whiskey riddle is really weird and doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But basically it's like he gives a sequence of, I think it's four whiskeys that someone goes to a bar and orders. And then he says, okay, for my last drink, I want water mix. And the riddle is well what is the fifth whiskey that fits into this uh this sequence to do a water mix to do a water mix yeah that's an important thing and i i don't remember the entire line of the first four i think the last one was an art bag because that has like a very iconic um bottle that i remember um and it turns out the last one is Valentine's 12, which was a blended whiskey that was basically engineered to be enjoyed in a water mix, which is kind of strange because, like, a couple episodes earlier, well, literally on episode one, they said water mix was invented by the Japanese as a weird drinking style to boost their sales. And now they're talking about this Western whiskey that is made for water mix. It's very strange. Um, and I have the list in front of me. It's four single mat. Single malt Scottish whiskey, Laprohay, yeah, Milton Duff, Glenbergie, and Abberg, and then we should ask what's next. Yep, and the answer is Valentine Twelve. Um, so yeah, and basically the analogy they were trying to make there is this pair of movie makers had basically like this great hit that was a huge commercial success. And unfortunately, they sort of fell victim to what happens in the movie industry when you have a big hit is they want you to milk the cash cow as much as possible. And they became sort of trapped to make as many sequels as possible to milk the cash cow until the, it was fully milked. Sounds a little bit like fucking Hideo Kojima and the Metal Gear series, but we're not going to talk about that today. <laughs> I thought you were saying it sounds like going to the cinema these days. Well, that but too, but yeah. Uh, I'm like... Come on, guys, you're in 2006. Like, people have been doing that for the last 10 years, so calm down. You're starting to do that I can't that believe now. these are the guys that came up with Minions. 
Anyway, (laughs) poor guys, we were making politically rebellious movies, and then we made Minions, and our lives were ruined forever. (laughs) The end. This is why I want to drink all the whiskeys now. Um, But yeah, so the the analogy they were making is that before, uh, like, what Sasakura says is, uh, the scriptwriter is the single malt, and the director is the blender, and that is how they blend together all of these cheaper grain whiskeys. The analogy sort of doesn't work because, like, what, the actors are cheaper grain whiskeys? Like, I don't know. But whatever. Uh, the, the, the filmmakers were blending together this whiskey out of various ingredients to achieve a certain goal. And, like, Valentine 12, what's notable about that one is it's a premium blended whiskey with an explicit purpose in mind, whereas a lot of blended whiskeys exist purely to get the prices lower so that they can be consumed by the masses. And it's really more of a money-making play than it is any kind of vision behind the product. Um, and so the analogy was, well, before we used to be this Valentine's 12, but now we're just like a famous grouse or some other random blended whiskey that is just there to be a mainstream whiskey, but has no individuality of its own or whatever. I think that's more or less what happened in the episode. Do you agree? <laughs> yeah, more or less. Uh, it doesn't really feel like there was that much of a resolution to this episode. It's like, okay, we realized that we have this sort of disconnect. Now we are going to go back and finish the script that I haven't been writing for the last three months or whatever, and then we will make this movie, which will probably still be bad. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's more of a like of a resolution, saying like, okay, yes, we agree that we disagree. It's, it's like you and I sometimes on this episode, on this podcast. It's we agree that we disagree, and then we just go on. Okay, ready for episode seven? This is one of my favorites as well. Close day for the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nah, okay. Why is that? So I I really like weird episodes of anime. Like one of my favorite Haruhi episodes uh, uh, is Someday in the Rain. And Someday in the Rain, what is very special about that episode is that it's very much like this show. Nothing happens in it. It's literally just like half of it is a corner camera shot of a girl reading a book inside a club room. And then like you hear the sounds around her uh, in the school echoing uh, so, like, you hear someone in gym practice, you hear uh, people practicing their voices in, like, a singing class or whatever, and you hear all of these sounds, and it is completely out of format for the show, and that's what's special about this episode, and I, I like these sorts of special episodes that blend the formula of what you expect to see, and this one is sort of that, because Miwa visits the bar, and she finds the bartender acting a little bit weird. Uh, he makes a cocktail for her with that, like, puffs smoke out of it after he puts something in it, and he doesn't seem to have realized that he put something in it, and something doesn't quite add up. And eventually he collapses onto the floor, and she finds out that he has a fever, so of course she runs out of there and gets a doctor, because apparently you can't call people. Yeah, no phone. I was like, and come on, Japan in 2006, everybody has a fucking cell phone. Yep. Yep, yep. They were camera phones too, and they had 3G before we did, and everything. So see, see, I'm sure she could like order via the the web browser on her flip phone a fucking ambulance. Like she would call an ambulance using the browser. Well, I I don't think phone. you need an ambulance for a fever. <laughs> sure, but, but you see where I'm going with this. Yeah, Come on. Sure. So what ends up happening is that uh, Sasakura was going to meet up with 
two of the bartenders which act as narrators throughout these episodes. Um, yeah, it's the first time we see them, right? Before then, you assume there are narrators. You, no, you, you, will... you see them from time to time, like in little vignettes where you act, they actually say things. Uh, they're right, usually you see in them their as bars. real character now. Yeah, yeah. Right yeah. now, it was the first time you see them as characters, not only as narrators. True, true, true. Um, so yeah, so one of them is actually Mr. Perfect, which is a huge douchebag in the live action version of the show, but is actually pretty likable in this version of the show. And the other one, I don't remember who he is. Um, and what ends up happening is that the bar is technically closed this episode, but you couldn't really tell because there are two clients that end up making it inside anyway. One of them is politician Soma Keiji, um, which there appears to be some scandal around him, though it's never really made clear what the scandal is. So you just have to imply that he is in some kind of trouble and he is getting sued and he just wants to get away from the media, which tail him all the way to this bar and he basically just jets into the bar, closes the door behind him and the media get shut out because the bartenders don't want them there. Um, so there's that story and later there is a female lawyer who was supposed to meet this client, um, except she came too late because ironically Miwa runs into her uh, twice, twice, twice throughout the episode, and ends up uh, making her lose her map to the bar. Which again, like 2006, use your goddamn <laughs> IMOD phone. Like she's browsing the web on a laptop in the taxi. How does she not have an internet connection? But okay, sure, whatever. Come on, Nick. She did a printout of Google Maps at that time, and she just like was like, "Oh, I should be there." And then, then you always get lost when you do that. Although I, I should say that the address system in Japan is a fucking joke, and it's it's like someone was trolling, and they're like, "How can we make an address <laughs> system that is impossible to use without the use of a- Apple Maps or Google Maps or whatever?" And I'm not surprised that she had trouble finding the bar, uh, and it took her like almost a half an hour to find the bar. Because that is how Japanese addresses work. Um, but yeah. So, politician basically comes in. I couldn't really tell you what his story is other than there's a scandal and I'm tired of talking about this scandal. So I'm going to go talk to this bartender for a while and talk about how basically I, uh, this guy had a dream and he wanted to do something else. But his father basically told him, like, your dreams should be kept for your, when you're asleep. Good phrase. And, he was basically forced into becoming a politician, even though he didn't want to do that. And he thought, well, maybe there is something noble I can do as a politician that can redeem this horrible job. And here he is basically on the verge of retiring because of the scandal. And he's like, yeah, after all, there's nothing you can really do to redeem the job of being a politician. It's all shit. And he drinks this uh, whiskey, which is called Old Par. Um, which I guess there's a weird analogy that you can make between politicians and the old par bottle because, uh, it has a sort of squared off corner, meaning that you can put it sort of at a 45 degree angle and it still holds in place. And I think the bar, which, which they do as a trick, they, the, the bartender put it and just explain the trick. Yeah. And he says like, this bottle, much like politicians, like, even if they get cornered, they never give up or something like that. And it was like, oh, big groan track and laugh track. <laughs> Good job. You made a joke. <laughs> joke delivered in a totally serious manner. Um, yes. And then they take that old par and they make it into a rusty nail, which I forgot the recipe for. Um, 
but it's another uh, cocktail that involves it's drambuie and old part. Yeah, I remember now. Uh, yeah, it's drambuie and scotch, according to Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in this case, the- what? Oh, wait, wait. Okay, there's a, cert- a citation needed, but there's a Canadian version of this drink called Donald Sutherland. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Uh, now I need to go like this up. This sounds amazing. Okay, so I'm following on the Wikipedia, Wikipedia page of the list of bentar- bartender episodes. And then if you click on Rusty Nell, it says, it explains that it's made of drambouille and scotch. And blah, 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 blah. Serve without ice. Uh, so a Rusty Nail serve without ice is also sometimes called a straight up nail. Okay, that's good. Oh. The Canadian version of this drink is called Donald Sutherland, citation needed, and substitute rye whiskey for scotch. I have found a citation. And wow. yes, Canadian Club whiskey, when you use that, instead of oh. blended scotch whiskey, it is called the Donald Sutherland. Wow. Well, now we know. Now we need to have one of these. Seriously, I need to look up something I want. I don't know if it exists, but I really want to. To have a, create a list of all of the drinks in this epi- in this uh, in this uh, series anime, yeah, 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 and we should just next episode about this anime should be just us drinking about it. It's kind of a top four of the bartender drinks. I would so be down for that. Oh my goodness, that would be so wrong. I'm sure we'll just end up so drunk. Please give us money at our Patreon if you want to <laughs> <this> episode. <laughs> yes, without the fees. Yeah. Uh, so then the female lawyer comes in, and she is apparently based on, like, some other fictional character from, like, a detective novel or something, which is revealed at the end of the episode. But she likes calling everything piece of shit, uh, which means we would probably get along very well. Um, she talks about her clients are pieces of shit, this job is a piece of shit, uh, everything. She loves that phrase, and even, like, the bartender is so, like, he, he just says, piece of shit piece of shit every time every once in a while just because he finds it amusing and i'm like okay calm down a little bit um and she gets served a bull shot which i really want to try this this is looks awesome basically it's really stupid it's basically beef bouillon with vodka in it right which i was like what the fuck seriously it's served hot by the way i should clarify yeah, yeah it's 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 one of the rare i think it's the only Hot drink that we see, right? We see normal drinks, ice drinks, but... I think there's maybe one other one, but I don't have it noted down. I think hmm. technically there's the chocolate drink in the um, in the one with the divorce lady, uh, which is technically a hot beverage, except it is not the main beverage, so I didn't note it down. But I think technically that's the other hot beverage in the episode. Yeah, and looking at the recipe here that I found, it, 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 oh yeah, okay, so, oh, it's funny, it's on the Absolute website, but, uh, if, because if you look at the Wikipedia description of it, it redirects you to Bloody Mary. Yeah, it's very strange. And, like, you can do a little bit of research everywhere and get to it, but. Right, because the base of it is kind of like a Bloody Mary. It's just that you replace the, it's still, both of them is vodka. You replace tomato juice with beef consomme, uh, beef consomme. And then that's mostly it because you put hot sauce in the Bloody Mary, you put lemon juice and you post Worcestershire sauce in a Bloody Mary. So it's just a small variation on the Bloody Mary that most of you might know. But like, I would want to try this if I was sick. Like, this sounds awesome. 
I am sick this week, so maybe I should try that later after the maybe. Mm. I do. I have buff consomme. I mean, maybe, uh, probably. I'm not sure. Oh well, wow. So maybe, maybe, maybe. No. What's this? Yeah. Do I have absolute? Oh yes, I do have absolute. Of course, you have absolute, next. but no beef bouillon. Good uh, job. Uh, uh, You've got on, your priorities that... straight. I have my priorities straight. Come on, it's the holidays. <laughs> of course. Uh, so see, see, but I think if I continue a small tangent about drinks, it's just amazing. All of the drinks in this uh, in this anime. I think if you you should just like watch this anime. Oh, I think it's my watching advice. Watch it while you do something else, and everything they think about, they talk about drinks or they talk about the recipe itself. You just just take your attention away from what you were doing and just listen for thirty seconds. Watch about the drinks and then just go back to what you were doing. Yeah. You want to move on to episode eight? Yeah, I really. To be honest, I really enjoy episode eight. It was a good one. It's a very good episode if you're looking for a sort of story-driven episode, and this one is a really good one. So it's called "The Lie at the Counter," and it's about. Uh, let's be honest. That's one of the the only episode that has a real story without holes, like episode two. I think the last three episodes, excluding the ending, all have a pretty good story, actually. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. No, yeah, that's true. So, yeah, let, let's move on to this. It's, this episode is about a con artist and a woman who are, well, obviously she does not know if, that he is a con artist. Otherwise, she would not be beating him, probably. And they're meeting up uh, on a date. And eventually it's revealed that this con artist is going to propose to the woman and the bartender realized that this was a con artist and therefore tells him, please don't do this and calls him out on it. And then they decide to play a little game. So if the con artist wins, he can get away with the proposal. And if Sasakura wins, he has to go away and not propose to this lady. Right. I would like to know that the, the comment was, please don't do this in my bar. Okay, yeah, it, it's fine if you do it elsewhere, but please don't make me complicit in this act. Right, which is which is fine, right? The guy is like, I don't want me to to be complicit, and it's funny that the con man was like, oh yes, I'll not propose to her. I won't make my fake proposal to her if we, you beat me at this uh, taste contest, and that would be the only small hole in this plot where the con could just have said, okay, bye, and then go into another bar and just do it. But huh. It makes for a good episode, at least. Yeah. Um, and the taste test in particular is uh, they're going to make glasses of pastis water. So pastis is sort of this imitation of absinthe uh, because absinthe became outlaws because I think some of the things in it were carcinogenic. I don't remember if that was exactly it, but I think so. Yeah. Basically, it was basically poison. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, it was banned. That's what I said. It was created, the uh, the pastis was created when there was an absent ban. Yeah. In France. And the name pastis comes from pastiche, which is imitation, which is where it comes from. And basically, they're putting one drop of each kind of pastis in a glass of water. And if Sasakura is able to correctly identify all of the different kinds of pastis water from this one drop, um, then he wins the challenge, basically. And of course, con artist can't play the game straight like anyone does. So for the last one, he actually puts one drop of two different kinds. Uh, 
so two drops, but of different kinds, basically. Um, and Sasakura is able to correctly identify this. Um, and we should talk also about the lies that actually he picked up on uh, that led him to actually accuse this person of being a con artist. So the first thing is the guy had a watch, which he said, oh, yeah, it's the last uh, memory that I have of my grandfather who died in the war. And, like, this was a quartz watch, and quartz watches didn't exist until after the war. So Sasakura was like, yeah, that sounds like bullshit. And then um, when he was wrapping up one of his bottles, he was using, uh, what's the word they use? Parafilm. Parafilm. Yes, parafilm. Uh, to wrap up, like, the the tops of the bottles after he was done with them. And this guy was really impressed, except in the medical field, parafilm is used, like, everywhere. So if he was actually a doctor like he claims he is, he wouldn't have done that. So there was that. And then there's this third lie, which is sort of ambiguous, but it's actually not his lie. It is the lie of the woman who is actually, like, basically trying to get her daughter a new father by marrying another man. And it's sort of her con, except it's much less bad, I guess, uh, to try and get her daughter another father because she is divorced. And right now she's a single mother. Um... This episode. Oh, that's that's the part I didn't understand. I understand the part that she was looking for my new husband, but not the part that she was divorced. Could have been like uh, she lost her husband and stuff, stuff like that, but not the divorce part. That's interesting. So I I think this episode sounds much more boring if the way I explained it than it is in actual watching this episode. But I think it's a pretty good episode. Uh, it is arguably the most confrontational this entire show gets. Uh, yes, kind oh, of totally. If you want an action-packed episode, that's the only one you'll get. And like action-packed, like they are drinking stuff and they are talking a little bit in a confrontational tone, and that's about it. <laughs> yes, exactly. They just like look at each other, being like, and that's mostly it. Uh, do you have anything else to add for this episode? Nope. Okay, episode nine, the bar's face. This is also one of my favorite episodes. Uh. So this is about a CEO of a, I think it's an electronics company, uh, Minigishi-san, who is a regular at the bar. Well, actually, I should explain the greater premise before that. So the entire premise around this episode is that Sasakura has basically made one missed cocktail in his entire career. Although, if you actually watch this episode correctly uh, and pay attention he misses multiple cocktails in that episode for various reasons. But uh, the misses are not so much technical misses, but they are um, mismatching what they he should have given to that person given the context, which is sort of like this 2000 IQ, like mind-blown galaxy brain level of bartending. But I guess right. that's the level he's at, so we can't complain too much. Um, and so... Minigishi goes to one of the bars where Sasakura worked uh, as a younger version of himself, and uh, they ask for some cocktails, mostly based around champagne, with uh, a hostess that he was hanging out with, which I I've been trying to figure out like this entire like time that I've watched the show if that hostess is actually his wife or not, which is hard to tell. Probably not important because Japan, but whatever. Um... And 
like he serves the drinks and there's a bunch of talk about gin and tonic as the face of the bar. This is sort of like the story that I have remembered the most where gin and tonic is a relatively simple cocktail with a recipe that pretty much anyone knows, except there are so many different ways to customize this drink that to fit whatever um, the customer is feeling at the moment that it basically reflects how the customer is feeling to themselves, which is why it is the face of the bar. Um, which is a nice little story. But the gin and tonic basically has fuck all to do with this episode. This episode is about fucking champagne, <laughs> mostly. Um, so Minagishi or likes to order a lot of champagne-based drinks, and this is sort of important to the story, in big air quotes, uh, for reasons that will become obvious later. Um, so one of the misses that he did is he gave a champagne pick-me-up to the hostess Kanako, uh, and she says... I can't drink that. Give me something else. And immediately you're like, what is wrong with this drink? And like, I will admit, I did not think of what this error could have been, but apparently it's because a champagne pick me up is served in a highball glass, which means it is a very tall glass and women don't like it when you give them highball glasses because they have to raise their necks and it shows off their wrinkles if they have any, which apparently she did not, but she still felt like she was showing off wrinkles. So this was a problem. Yeah, and I found that the narration about that problem was weird because, like, it was the uh, female lawyer that we saw uh, two episodes ago, and then yeah, basically all the... of the characters from the previous episodes are talking about what happened in the past to Sasakura outside the bar because the bar is closed because it's reserved for this man. Right, and then the the first lady says to the other, one, "Oh, you should know what's wrong with this," and the other lady's like super puzzled about it, it's like. Okay, I think you're stre- stretching it too far. The, the fact that it was because the lady didn't want, to, didn't want to show her full neck by trying to drink from a tall foot or eyeball uh, glass. I don't remember which one it was. But um, that was kind of strange to me, the fact that, oh, as a woman, you might, you might know that. that. That comment was a bit weird. I, I think the only reason that she did not catch on to that, well, aside from like... I think women in Japan are much more likely to notice these things because it is more baked into their society to notice these things. But Mm -hmm. she's also a character that is 25 years old, whereas everyone else is basically over 30. And unfortunately, the way it is, like, in Japan, it's like, once you're over 25, you're basically, like, old, (laughs) an old woman, and you start caring about these things, in theory, anyway. Um, Right, right. So yeah, so yeah, yeah, and I think that that part of the episode showed the uh, like maybe a dark side of Japan's culture. Yeah, and it's still very much an issue today, I would say. Except I think it's more of an issue for high class um, people because they often take like I- I've had the chance to see on television like etiquette classes that high class people take, and it is fucking nuts. It is like being in the army for being polite to people. And you have to be very, uh, they're very strict about posture and about all of that stuff. So. Oh, it, it, etiquette is shit, to be honest. It's like really super strict. And I'm sure it's even stricter than the army, to be honest, sometimes. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So it, it is not entirely surprising that people who would be going to these Ginza bars would be very self-conscious about these things. Um, Miwa not at the age to have to care about that yet because she is still young and beautiful. Um, so yeah, so. That drink was a failure. Uh, they give her something else. Uh, 
don't remember exactly what they give her, but it's not important. What's important is that it contains champagne. And then they leave, and then Sasakura picks up the tab, and he notices that they basically spent a thousand dollars on drinks. They had been there for less than 30 minutes, and, uh, Mr. Aminigishi took like one sip and a half of what he was drinking. And he's like, what the fuck is going on here? And okay, so yeah, it, it was like what ten thousand, no, a hundred thousand yen. It, it it was Did like uh, nine hundred dollars. So it was like ninety thousand yen. Yeah, I think it was ninety seven, and he gave a ta- uh, ten, no, a hundred thousand. Yeah, something like and that. Like what the fuck? Why is he giving? But still, like, oh my goodness. Yeah, it is a lot of money. Um, but anyway, for uh, two sips of a drink. Yeah. And Sasakura basically notices this and eventually confronts the owner of the bar he was working at. And he's like, you're just trying to swindle money out of this rich customer. And the first thing that's revealed is that, well, we as bartenders have to accept the aspect of their lives that they present to us. Which is, if they are presenting this facade of a rich person and they want to be accepted as a rich person by acting like them then we have to play along with their game. And if the customer is comfortable paying $1,000 for drinks that he basically doesn't drink, we sort of have to accept that because it is not our role as bartender to tell people how they should be acting. Okay, sure, whatever. But then Sasakura is like, well, are you just trying to like milk as much money as possible from this rich man? And then the bar's owner says, he's not a rich man. He has no money at all. He lives basically like in the suburbs in a tiny apartment with his wife and his entire estate is basically the suit he wore to the thing. And the entire money that he used to actually buy his drinks were the revenue from his part-time job. And then you're like mind blown. Like this guy is poor and he's been spending all his money in Ginza. And then Sasakura is like, well, why the fuck does he come to Ginza and spend like huge ass amounts of money to drink here when like spirits are good anywhere you go you can go to a cheaper bar or a more accessible place and it's like the context that is basically revealed is this guy misses when he used to be rich before he was heavily in debt and had to pay it all back instead of declaring bankruptcy which is what the smart people do in quotes um i think i have a lot of respect for this guy for actually trying to pay his debt instead of just declaring bankruptcy to be honest uh it makes him more likable as a person but um yeah like what's so special about ginza that makes people want to drink here and it's basically like the romanticism of going back in time and thinking about when you were rich and still having that bit of vanity in your life um now that doesn't actually explain why the cocktails were so expensive in the first place uh you only find that out after uh, sasakura opens his bar for the first time and the first guest to go to his bar is mr minigishi and uh, Sasakura was like, okay, I have this cocktail that I really want you to try. It, and it was the Moulin Rouge. And it was basically trying to give him a sense of nostalgia. That's basically like what that cocktail is supposed to conjure up in you. Um, and then he says, but this cocktail is an illusion because one of the key ingredients to this recipe is Gordon's Orange Gin, which is no longer being sold. So I had to substitute it by, like, a Grand Marnier and some other gin that I mixed together to approximate the taste of that. And the analogy he was trying to make is, no matter how much you try to recreate your memories today in your current life, 
they'll never actually match what actually happened in the past in your memories. And this sort of upset him a little bit. And then he sort of explained, like, it must be nice to be young and all of that stuff where you have this kind of optimism in you. But in my case, like, I have more of my life in my past than I have in my future. So there's a certain reason why I try to stick to this routine of trying to emulate my past when I was more successful, because it's unlikely that I'm ever going to reach those heights ever again or something like that. Right. That's kind of the point where this episode takes a sad and depressing turn. It's like, oh, I'm old. I'm going to die. And it's like, oh, shit. Yes, we all are going to die. But but in this case, it's much sooner than... He, like, it's clear that he's going to die sooner than he's going to get, like, successful again. Like, he's not going right. to pay his entire debt and then suddenly be successful and die, like, 15 years afterwards and still have time to enjoy his life as a successful man. Like, that's all he has left is to drown in nostalgia, basically. Um, and that's, and sadly, that's what happens. Yep. So then he basically, like, asks, asks for another cocktail. And he says, make something with champagne in it. Oh, by the way, I only drink Salon 1970. So if you're not a champagne expert, Salon is like some of the most prestigious champagne out there. And 1970 fetches a big price. And in fact, like once Asakura realizes like this is what has been happening the whole time, he's like, oh yeah, that $900 bill was actually very cheap for Salon drinks, which is like mind blowing. Like 900 felt expensive, but to hear that it was actually cheap is even crazier. Um, and it really goes to show you, like, he is going to extreme lengths to actually try to recreate his memories from his past because it was the best era of his life and he had nothing better to look forward to. And eventually at the end of, a, of the episode, uh, a postcard is revealed. And in the case of a fan sub, unfortunately, this was at the time when fan sub technology did not actually allow for flexible layout of text on screen um so they put it in at the very end which means if you didn't actually watch to the very end of the episode you didn't see what the postcard said which is uh, they do mention it when the postcard shows they do mention it in yeah the there's a translating note at is... the top of the screen that is on there for very short amount of time but they say uh look for the translation at the end of the yeah and it's basically like I regret to inform you that my husband died on this date and whatever. So basically, he now closes the bar one night every year to basically memorialize this man who was so influential to his upbringing as a young bartender. Is it really every every year? Because Well, he would visit every year, and this is like the first year since he's died. Okay, yeah, that's what I assume. Because, and if I recall correctly, it's like really the first year, and... The way they timed the anime is in real time. So it was released in fall 2006, and the anime takes place in fall 2006. Yes. And he died in 2005. Yes, so it will be the first year-ish. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, that's kind of the sad part at the, at the end. is like the guy kind of died, but still believing he was rich, even if he was not. And they're taking, he's taking a day You off surround yourself for... with illusions for comfort. Yes. It's like, illusion might give you comfort, but in the end, you will all die. Wow, such a great ending. Let's move on to episode 10, which is holiday-themed. Merry Christmas, everyone. It's time for episode 10, Christmas Miracle, which is right. hilarious, and I love it. It is a funny episode, and to me, it, it would have been the best way to end the anime. Yeah. But they didn't decide to do that. And 
which is this is one of the rare examples of a anime episode about Christmas that actually coincided with Christmas when it aired. Uh, because right. so often you are watching an anime in April and it's like the third episode and they're like, okay, we're having a Christmas episode in the middle of April. And you're like, what the fuck is the point? Like, it's not Christmas. And sure, I can buy the DVDs or Blu-rays and watch it at Christmas. But why are you showing a Christmas episode in the middle of April? And this is like, every anime does this because they all want to have Christmas episodes, but they can't all, all be on at Christmas. And, like, this is the one time that it actually coincides, and it's a pretty good Christmas episode. And it coincided quite uh, closely. It was aired on December 24th, 2006. Good shit. Like this episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that that was not planned at all. Um, so, Of course not, right? This episode is very relatable because it is about a nerdy son of a bitch. Uh, it is about a professor of fluid dynamics uh, who is just wants to find someone to talk to about the sparkle of water and how fluid dynamics, like, honestly, like, genius. Um, <laughs> and basically, the context around him is when he was a young boy, he was, he was fascinated with, uh, like, he would go to a drinking fountain and he would be, like, drawn to the sparkle of water and the flow of water and how does it work and all of that stuff. And it made him obsess to maybe an unhealthy degree about fluid dynamics. He's very, very proud of his thesis. In fact, he tries to give a copy to basically every character he meets in the show. Um, and he is very eccentric, which is great because I am a crazy eccentric person myself. And there is a lot to like about this character if you are a crazy eccentric person. Yes? We'll say yes. We'll say yes. Okay. We'll say yes. Okay. Um, so he uh, was coming back from like a reunion with his elementary school, which like, do people really do that? Elementary school reunions? That seems a little extreme. That was the weirdest thing in this episode. I guess. I guess. Um, I, I missed mine, I guess. Yeah. I did not oh, know I this was a thing. No, it's we. It's not a thing here. I guess it's only a thing in Japan. I guess. I, I would be surprised if it was even a thing in Japan. But anyway, he brings his big ass thesis to this room full of people who are drinking, and unsurprisingly, nobody wants to read his thesis. <laughs> of course, come on. You go to a bar, you want to drink, not read a fucking thesis. Well, if it's about fluid dynamics, though, who knows? Um. So anyway, he he's walking back from like this reunion with his elementary school people, and then he notices a really pretty girl. So, of course, he does what every nerd does, and he chases her to a bar, because this is what normal people do all the time. And then he gets to the bar, and he sits down at the counter, and Sasakura is like, wow, this guy's a weirdo, but I guess he didn't do anything wrong yet, so I'm going to entertain him. Um, and then the professor is like, well, I'm going to have a beer, because, of course, beers are the only acceptable drinks for academics, because... All of the smartest geniuses drank beer and none of this champagne shit for rich people who are way too cool to be academia. Um, so yeah, he gets a beer. He gets a Guinness actually. And then he drinks it and he makes this fucked up face, which is absolutely great. I love it. It's one of my favorite screenshots of this episode. Um, and then like, um, Sasegura suggests, what if we mix champagne with it? And then like fluid dynamics professor is like, well, it would be impossible to mix champagne with beer because of course, they are, have different densities and they have 
uh, the, you wouldn't have to pour them at the same speed. You'd have to be like very, very exact. And then Sasakura is like, eh, let's just try it. And of course, like this guy <laughs> who is in an animated television show is like pouring it perfectly and it blends perfectly and it makes what is called the black velvet, which is what happens when you combine Guinness and champagne at exactly the right angles and speeds and densities and everything. Uh, apparently there are only five people in Japan who can actually do this with their hands. Everyone else has to use a machine. Uh, so of course this anime character can do anything they want because they are animated and he pours it perfectly. And this fascinates the professor because for the first time in forever, he has seen something that truly fascinates him and that blows away his expectations because he thought this was effectively impossible to do in real life. Um, so there's that. And then there's sort of the sad angle of the episode, which is like, I think one of the quotes that I really liked was like, the champagne world where all of the stars shine will never in, uh, will never intersect with the beer world of crappy people like me or something like that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I remember this. That quote. is a great quote. I love that. That is the story of my life. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so there's sort of the side narrative about like, is this guy ever going to be able to fall in love? And apparently the answer is yes, because apparently his star noticed that there was this weird eccentric guy in the corner that actually was pretty funny. And she decides to walk over and to him and kiss him on the cheek, which honestly probably wouldn't happen, but it's anime dreams can happen. It's a Christmas miracle. It's a Christmas miracle. Uh, yeah, lots of good cameo appearances from all the female characters, uh, in the series so far in this, the single mom appears, uh, Miwa appears, um, I think the klutzy girl appears, uh, from the previous episode, but yeah, uh, good cameo appearances as they play, uh, the various, um, candles in a story that is being told by the narrator about the candles of love, of faith, and of, what's the other one? I'd have to go look it up. Um, I only, I only remember the is of faith, love, last one is Ope. Oh, yeah, man. that's the last one, but I'm thinking about it. I know. Uh, I will find it in a sec. Do, do, but that's do, do, okay. Yeah, so th there's, and the gist of it is. Peace, with the last, faith, uh, yes, and love, and hope. And then, of, of, of course, if hope is there, all of the three first one can revive. Yeah, of course. Such a poetic story. We mangle, we mangled it saying it, but whatever. That's okay, but it does fit with the Christmas theme. It was a, to be honest, it was a good Christmas episode for just a, a, a series. Like, there's always something magic in Christmas films, episodes, and this was hitting the spots for, uh, Christmas theme animes. Even yes. if I really watch them. Sure. Okay, uh, now, uh, now we have no, to No, we're done, we're done, we're done, <laughs> we're done. The episode 11 does not exist. I, Seriously, doesn't understand why they finished this anime this way. I think they did the 10 first episodes and they were like, what can we possibly do to end the show? And honestly, the correct answer is just end it. Just stop there. Yes. And yes. But they felt like they had to make an episode to tie everything together. And unfortunately, this episode sort of exists. So it's really weird. There are sort of three parts to this show, uh, to this episode. So the first part is like, uh, Sasakura and the two other bartenders that act as narrators in the earlier episodes, um, the ones that also appear in Closed Day for the Bar, uh, 
they are all together at Eden Hall. It's sort of revealed that they were the two previous tenants of Eden Hall, which is kind of strange because that's not what the story is in the manga, but okay, I'll fly with it. Um, and it's really strange, like, in previous episodes, they're talking about how, like, Sasakura is going to open his own bar. Well, if he's going to open his own bar, then why are there two previous owners of this bar? Like, it doesn't quite work. Uh, but whatever. So, the owners of Eden Hall, of past and present, uh, get together and contemplate about the reason why bars exist and what the bartender job consists of. And this is basically the first third of the episode. It's like, what do we do as bartenders to serve our customers? And it's sort of like this philosophical discussion of what it is to be a bartender. Kind of boring, to be honest. <laughs> it was really boring. It's like, Sure, we're making people happy. We're making sure people feel them good about themselves. No, you're just making drinks. Come on. Well, oh. I, I wouldn't be quite so cynical, but... Uh, <laughs> you find me really cynical in this episode. That's You're going to be as the Christmas Grinch this episode. Wow. Oh, wow. A, a change of character, which is unexpected, because I am usually the Grinch, but... Agreed, there we go. <laughs> you cannot always be the Grinch. No, no, no. Of course not. Um... So yeah, there, there, that's like the first third of the episode. And then the second third of the episode is like, yeah, we're not quite sure what to show on screen anymore, so we're going to make a clip montage of <laughs> everything that happened in the previous episodes. And it's like, this show isn't really that long. I'm pretty sure I still remember all of the scenes of the previous episodes. Like, I've watched this show. I know what you've shown in the show. You don't need to show it to me again. Uh, and... Usually, you don't really see clip shows in Japanese anime unless it is a two-core season, which means it takes place over, like, fall and winter. Um, so basically, two seasons length worth of a, a of a show. Um, this was a single-core uh, season. However, they still felt like they sort of needed to jam some clips in there or reuse some clips or whatever. Uh, so the entire second third of the the episode is, like, clip show with narration on top of it. Also quite boring because you've seen all of this already. And especially if you're binge watching the show, like this is the most boring episode to watch. And then there's sort of like this weird thing at the end. Uh, well, I guess there are two different things that happen. So the narrator to the show, which we have suspected might be the actual writer of the manga in some way, um, appears in this episode and he drinks, well, quote, drinks alcohol from an ice cube, uh, not an ice cube, a sugar cube. Uh, so I think they dripped, uh, uh, oh, yeah, cognac. Like... Yes. Yeah. They dripped a, like, a drop of cognac into this ice cube, and you're supposed to consume this cognac by sucking on the ice, uh, not the ice cube. I've been saying ice cube this whole time, but yeah, sugar cube. Sugar cube. Yeah. yeah. And like, this is a scene that appears in the manga. It appears in the live action thing. I still don't understand what the point of this scene is, but they feel like they have to jam it everywhere just to make a point. And it's like, okay, sure, whatever. First of all, sucking on the sugar cube is kind of strange. I know, but yeah, that was the weirdest alcohol thing they did in this, in this anime. But, but I think the alcohol is supposed to overpower the sugar in this case. I guess, I guess. Um, and then there's like this weird thing, which is like, oh, we need to pass down the McAllen 1946, <laughs> which is sort of like, what the fuck is going on now? So, uh, apparently it's like a tradition in Eden Hall history, even though there's technically not supposed to be an Eden Hall history, that 
owners pass a bottle of Macallan 1946 down to each other. The problem is, why are they doing this in the final episode after Sasakura has been, like, running his own bar for a long time? Why are they doing the passing down of the bottle now? It, it, all of this episode implied that he was leaving Eden Hall. And leaving for where? Who knows? We just, they take the whole episode to end at the fact that his time at, at Eden Hall is to an end. That he's going somewhere where we don't know. He's reflecting about what does it mean to be a bartender. Why he is liking it. And also the, the difference between the craft of bartending versus the life of, bar, of a bartender. And he says like, oh yes, I didn't choose bartending because of the craft of it. It's really because about life. Implying that he loves to help and make people happy in his bar. And if craft the craft of bartending is his tool, then he will do that to feel happy and providing some kind of better good for the world, something like that. That's what I understood about the last episode. And I was like, what? Yeah, that's more or less what the episode is if you look at it that way. But it's just so strange. It's like trying to be three to four things at once, and there's no real coherence to it. And it just feels like a big waste of time that could have been completely avoided. Now, my theory is that this was meant to sort of act as a prequel to the manga or the live-action TV show, where it sort of sets up what's going to happen at Bar Lapin, which is his next bar. Oh, so in the manga, he goes to the next bar. But Eden Hall doesn't exist in the manga. What? Yeah, Eden Hall is made up entirely for the anime. It doesn't exist anywhere else. Which is why it's hard to see it sort of as a prequel, because it it leads into Bar Lapin where the same stuff happens, except in a different bar. Uh, It's very weird how they've sort of made this. And, I mean, there have been other uh, prequel mangas for Bartender, and they do not acknowledge Eden Hall at all. Like, it is not canon in the manga at all. Hmm. which sort of implies that this is sort of like a one-off thing, and I don't know if they thought they were going to do a second season or whatever, but, like, this ending, it serves no purpose. You could have, like, you could take the the first third of the episode where they contemplate the reasons why Bar exists or whatever, and you could just, like, make that half the time and put it at the end of a real episode, and that would have been a way better thing than what this episode is. But this entire episode, like, I wouldn't even watch it if I was recommending people to watch the show, because it's completely a waste of time. And I would even put more strong feelings about it. I would say, if you want to somewhat enjoy this anime, watching episode 11 will make you hate this anime. And I think, not only because of it, but I can tell you for sure that if you end... A series and also an anime itself, an episode as shitty as episode 11, you're leaving a bad taste in people's mouths. I, I think the good analogy for this would be Lost. Well, not. I re- didn't watch Lost. No, so. but I mean, like, Lost had a very polarizing ending, and even though a lot of people were very, very, very into every single episode except the last episode, the last episode, like, ruined the series for them if they didn't like it. Um, 
it's not quite the same thing because I don't think people will be super in love with all 10 first episodes of Bartender. Like, there was a reason people were very engaged with Lost is because it was a killer TV show and then the ending was sort of, okay. Um, and it's sort of similar, but the rest of the show is average instead of very good. Hmm, okay. I see a point. Um, so I, I, d- I do want to talk a little bit about the McAllen 1946 bo- bottle passing because there is some interesting historical information in this, but you are so swept up in the energy of hating this episode that it does not absorb at all. Uh, because McAllen 1946 is actually a very interesting whiskey because it was a whiskey that was sort of like the first whiskey to be made after the Second World War. And there were shortages for fuel and all of that stuff, so they couldn't really uh, dry the wheat in the same way as they did. So they used peat, and 1946 is a very iconic year for McAllen because it's a McAllen... Like, McAllen has a very specific signature that you can recognize throughout all of the lines of McAllen, except for 1946 because it was completely different and it was uh, dried with peat, which means that it had a very different uh, aroma and all that stuff afterwards. And they sort of expound that into, well, there are different kinds of uh, spirits all over the world that were sort of born from the same spirit of trying to uh, create the water of life that we all drink. And this is sort of trying to tie together this narrative where all of the cocktails that you've seen on this show are based on these core uh, liquors like vodka, like whiskey, all that stuff. Um, so... There is some coherence to that, but you are so busy hating the rest of this episode that none of it matters at all. And I just learned something while Googling about the Michelin uh, 46. Uh, it's fucking expensive. Oh, well, of course. It's the only year that is like that, so of course it's going to be expensive. Like half a million dollars. Yeah. So this bottle is quite, quite, quite something. Yeah. Which is why, luckily... Uh, to draw a whiskey bottle is much less expensive than having to buy it. Um, I don't think, no, they, they don't actually have this bottle in the, uh, in the live action thing because obviously it would be the most expensive thing in the budget for this show. <laughs> and I don't think TBS has that kind of money. Oh, you can make a fake one. Oh, yeah. Or they could just like license to borrow a fake from McAllen or something. Right. Like, give us a fake bottle of 1946 or go to the McAllen Museum and borrow it or something. Mm, I'm not sure, but still. I, I, I'm really not sure. Um, but yeah, so so that ends episode 11. And with that ends Bartender. Uh, so I guess we should sort of do our closing thoughts, and I think I'll let you start. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I started with some assumption about Bartender. I've tried to be open-minded about it. But even after watching episode one and two, I was like, I'm not troubled like this uh, anime. And I think I've been pretty clear, clear. And also in past episodes, every time we are talking about media, whether it's film, TV series, video games, especially video games, I think I've made it pretty clear that I'm a story person. And the lack of story here is quite appealing, uh, appealing to me. It's just, I don't like, I don't like the lack of story here. And I think that's the main reason why I did not enjoy this anime. Okay. So when I first watched the show back in 2010, I had a very different view about alcohol than I do now. And I think you've known me for quite a long time. So 
maybe yep. you've sort of seen this transition as well, where I basically didn't drink anything. Uh, mm-hmm. Agreed. And, like, I, I actually think I waited until, like, maybe six months after I had become legal drinking age to actually, like, drink something seriously. Um, and that was Coeur de Bois, which is um, a maple-based cream liquor uh, that we have here in Quebec, which is absolutely excellent. Um, oh, man. Do you remind me? I need to buy one bottle. Yeah. And they also make whiskey, which is very good, except I've only had the samples. So please buy me Coeur de Bois whiskey <laughs> uh, if you want. <laughs> is it a message for me? Is it a message for the listener? It's a message for anyone who is listening to this right now, which right now, as we're recording, is only you. But yes, okay. eventually might be other listeners. Um, so... I had that, and watching this show sort of opened my eyes to the wider range of what alcohol was, because I was so isolated away from the world of alcohol that I didn't really know what was out there. And this show was sort of like, here is a sampler of all of the different kinds of things that exist out there. And by watching the show, of course, I didn't know how any of these things tasted, but I at least had names of drinks and visuals to put with them that if I ever went to a bar, I would know what to order or what to try. And I could be like, this thing looked like it was good on the show, so I can try that. And then when I go to Japan, which is usually when I'm in a bar or at a club or something, because I don't really go out when I'm here, um, then I can use that knowledge to actually order things. And I think it was immensely useful in trying to expand myself to this world of drinking socially, because that is mostly when I drink. I don't really drink by myself that much, although I did ask for whiskey for Christmas because I do like whiskey. Um, so, yeah, it was immensely useful in trying to look at alcohol as less of this evil thing because without going into too much detail, like, you have certain run-ins with alcoholism in your life and you're like, I don't want to become this person, so maybe I don't want to try alcohol or whatever. And I think I have good enough self-control that I won't end up like that. Um, so being able to experience that world and get more knowledge about it in a format that I actually enjoy, which is anime, was really good. And uh, I also watched the live-action version, and that was also pretty good. I, th- I think you'd probably enjoy it more than the anime, to be honest, except it's more trouble to actually find subs of that show, uh, which mm-hmm. is why I didn't actually recommend that. And it's longer, it- I think. I think it's 23 episodes instead of... Or the episodes are twice the length or something. Um, okay, it's good you mentioned because I was about to ask that if I would have enjoyed more after all of my comments, if I have enjoyed more. I, th- I think you would enjoy it more. The problem is I think some episodes are unsubbed or the subs got pulled from YouTube, so you would uh, not be able to watch it, whereas I can just watch the whole thing in Japanese and be fine. Um, uh, so that's unfortunate. And I do eventually actually want to read the manga because there is a lot of it. They, there is so much bartender manga that I, I'm actually amazed, uh, and I really want to read more of this. Um, but again, oh wow, okay, yeah, twenty twenty one volumes. Yep. Whoa, nearly a span, nearly a span of ten years yeah. from May twenty four two thousand four to wow, okay, that's a big and uh, that span. that's not counting the prequels and stuff, which also exist. Um, so yeah, I, I'm very interested in, in checking that stuff out, and yeah, it was a big eye-opener to the culture behind drinking. And 
I learned a lot of stuff. Like, there are lots of historical stories about where alcohol came from. And, like, even now sometimes I meet people and I tell them the story about the face of the bar and where that nickname came from for gin and donic because I know all of these stupid things now. <laughs> and if I don't tell people about them, they are just sticking in my head and absolutely useless. So I might as well tell people about them, which does sometimes enrage people because they're like, why do you know so much useless shit? And I'm like, well, my brain only remembers that stuff and forgets all of the useful stuff. Um, so there you go. So that's about it for this episode on Bartender. I hope everybody at least learned something from the show, if not enjoyed it. Um, I am much more like you could have just said, I'm much more of a ambiance and atmosphere person than a story person. So this show is really good to chill out to, um, but maybe not for everyone. Um, but I hope that if you watched it, you enjoyed some facet of it, or at least found some episode entertaining, because otherwise, we're sorry we wasted your time. Yeah, it's only four hours and a half of your life. Yeah, I watched this That's entire right. series like three times this week. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah. Three times? Oh, it, take me, it took me through, through like a couple of hours. Uh, I think it, No, it took me three days, yes. Three days and about, yes, an hour and a half each day, so not so bad. Good. If you want to find the show notes for this episode, you can find them at limitlesspossibility.net slash 79. You can also find our back catalog of episodes at limitlesspossibility.net. You can find the latest news about the episode and related stuff on Twitter too at limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. You can find myself on Twitter, not tweeting about bartender, sadly. But maybe to ring about drinks during the, uh, the Christmas season. Who's, who knows? You can find myself on Twitter at Lukonosh, L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E, and you can find Yannick at Sakurina, S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And we will wish you Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Enjoy the, uh, holiday season, and we'll see you next year. See you in 2018.